Welcome to Making Your Miles Count Production, an educational program to all Canadian lease owner-operators with your host, Robert Scaper. Well, how could we possibly have a discussion on IT without at least uh, talking a bit about AI and all these anacronyms? By the way, uh, IT stands for information technology. There's some people who may not know what it even <laughs> that even means. But, and AI, obviously, or if if you want to know, is artificial intelligence, and it's not referring, you know, to Uncle Louie at your Christmas <laughs> <laughs> Christmas dinner. But uh, uh, artificial intelligence is a. Uh, it's lately been a, a little bit of a scary word. It's like a lot of people have been uh, worried due to, oh, it's going to take over the world like Skynet or. Skynet, that's the one of Terminator, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Which is the one that Elon Starlink. Musk... Starlink. I always get those two confused. Maybe they're the same thing in the end. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> in theory, it would be the same thing. Anyway, we're off on a rabbit trail here. But uh, artificial intelligence, we are dealing in our firm... Do we call it artificial intelligence, or is it just straight machine learning, or is it the same thing? Well, uh, I mean, it's technically deep learning, but that's a subset of machine learning, which is a subset of AI. All right. Okay. Should uh, we? We should probably define what some of these things mean. Right? <laughs> Peter, go ahead. Some, yeah. some, somebody better okay. do it rather than so, me. <laughs> artificial intelligence is, you know, exactly that. It's the idea that the computer is making decisions, and this could be very simple decisions, like you know, when to turn your thermostat on and off. So that's always the most basic example, right? Yeah. Is you have a thermostat, it detects a temperature, it has to decide, should I turn the furnace on and off or should I turn the, the air conditioning on and off? Very, very simple way of the machine making decisions. Yeah. And so at a very, very basic level, that's one of the most you know basic types of AI would be a thermostat turning your AC on and off because it, it has a sensor, it's deciding what to do and it's making a choice. Well, it's not very threatening. No, it's yeah. not. And yeah. it's, very, it's very simple. The old fashioned way of doing that is when you have a fan and you manually turn it on and off. So yeah. now here we have the device replacing a human job and it makes your life much easier because now you don't have to turn your fan on and off. It does yeah. it for you. Yeah. And even more interesting, I mean, we think of AI as this big buzzword nowadays. The ideas have been around since the late 1950s and uh, and yeah. we've been using some form of AI already for many, many years. It's just, I guess in many ways it was done so that you wouldn't know it or I mean, you didn't think about it, but it's been If you don't use time. the word AI, then it actually, oh, it's just convenient. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is yeah. not intimidating at all some machine is doing something for us that we find very uh, boring or tedious to well, do well the difference now is that the machine can make much more complicated decisions than before yeah right in the past it was you know again you know it looks at the temperature and that's a very simple choice to make sure but now we can do things that are much much more complicated one of the things that I'd like to talk a little bit about this one what we're designing now and actually we have designed already <clears throat> is uh, when a client sends in um, a few bank statements from, uh, from, from their bank, and, and we need that in order to uh, complete bank reconciliations and, and complete their uh, corporate returns and the like. And they send us, uh, say, January, March, and April, and we're missing February. Well, f there's a whole bunch of things, choices and decisions that we make a human brain makes it so quickly, so fast, that uh, we don't even recognize that it's a choice. I said the words uh, January and March, and so we were obviously missing February. But there's a whole bunch of uh, sub-questions you have to answer behind that. Like that, for instance, say a Case Populaire or a Credit Union may have their bank statement end on the end of the month, like say February 28th or 29th, whatever, whatever it is. Whereas you go to a charter bank, say Royal Bank, where they have their month end actually, whatever, 22nd, 23rd, 24th or something like that. It's not consistent between one bank and another bank. Mm -hmm. And uh, those kind of questions each time, if we're scanning in, uh, we, we receive a, a bank statement and then our computer has to read. First of all, it has to recognize that it is, say, a Royal Bank, has to recognize a whole stream of different, what do they call that? questions like a logo and a date and a oh what, what yeah call it? parameters uh yeah parameters yeah. yeah how many are there in the banks uh, how many have we been using uh well a lot of it's been like as far as tax it's been phone numbers uh in that sense it's been 10 20 of them oh okay i mean phone numbers email so, uh yeah so yeah. so in other words we get we get one page a bank statement mm -hmm. and uh, the computer looks for 
whatever, something like 20 things. Sure. If it's like a fingerprint or whatever, and if it matches 18 or 19 or whatever we say, then we say, hey, this is a Royal Bank statement. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. And it's the same thing you would do when you look at a bank statement. Yeah. How would you recognize a bank statement? Well, you'd look for the, you know, the, the name of the bank. Um, that'd be one of the more obvious things. And then we, we start with that and we kind of go through the list. When you deal with images, logos are the obvious choice. They are, yeah. they're basically the main thing. Like if well, you don't do, have a logo on there, it's, it's very difficult to start recognizing You do it the same banks. way, the same way a person does. A person looks for the logo, right? If you can't mm-hmm. find the logo because you know, you're on page two and it doesn't have a logo. Okay. What do you look for next? Well, then you read the name. Or you look That's for a page number. The first page is page yeah, one. Sure. The seven has a two on there. So this must be page two. So there's a whole bunch of what ifs and what ifs, what ifs, what ifs, what ifs, mm-hmm. and then yes, no answers, basically, going through the entire thing. And you and you list it, and it's all processing um, hundreds of thousands of these things. But our personal brains do that at such a speed, we don't even recognize that it's even doing it. But a programmer has to do these things, and we have to split them up into all of these different fields, and then one by one, right, program for each individual yeah. A criteria mm-hmm. for uh, choosing just a bank statement. There's a lot of work that's there's, involved. There's a lot of yeah. different choices, right? Yeah. So there's not only there, you have to figure out what type of bank statement this is, then, you know, you have to start pulling the information from it. Mm-hmm. And so now you have to be able to figure out, you know, what's the date of the bank statement. And dates are very complicated. They are, because there's, uh, I think we're dealing with at least 12 or 13 different formats right oh, now. Oh, I'm a oh, big... and then add French to it. Yeah, oh. that's probably closer to 15 or 20. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. I like uh, year, month, date. Yeah. Because yeah. That, that's a numerical that, yeah. that, that, you can, that you can convert to. And if you create a bunch of folders with year, month, date, everything's ordered in order. Yeah. But if you do it in month, day, year, now suddenly on your computer, when you try to sort it by date, it's, it's mixed up, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then so you have to you have to have a converter to say hey this this is this format this is uh, month year or, or month day year and then you have to actually convert it if you actually want to sort something you have to put it into a category and then sort it so there's a whole bunch of steps yeah for that. and the like, worst part is when the, when the year is only like everything is numbers and the year is only two digits then suddenly you have to start uh, counting. Um, like you have to look at different statements to see which number goes up by one because otherwise you don't know which one's the month and yeah. day and year. Well, it's that's just it, right? So if your date is 01, 02, 03, so what is that? Yeah. Is that January oh, yes. 2nd, yeah. 2003? <laughs> and then some abbreviate, that, some don't. Or oh. is that the 1st of February 2003? Or is it 2003? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, it could, it could be any one of these. So all those in individual choices are brains can do lightning fast and we make assumptions that, hey, well, it's like, Come on, it's it's real easy. Yeah. But in in effect, in actually to convert our choices into yes no uh, answers, like that's what programming is. If it can recognize something, then you can sort it and put it in the right field and and make yes or no answers for those things as well. That's a long, tedious process. Well, and yeah. the having the machine make decisions that a person makes is not very complicated. What's complicated is trying to figure out what decisions a person is making. Yeah. True. Yeah. Once yeah. once you understand the the logic behind it, implementing it's not very hard. It's trying to figure that out first is where it's more complicated. Yeah. I I've done a little bit of just contemplating about uh, personal financial management, for instance. How do people make financial choices for themselves personally? And there are people who make ginormous leaps. And not think through all the processes for it. It would be, be greatly beneficial if some people would be more, uh, I guess, computer program in mind and actually think through what are they recognizing in order to get to where they're going. Generally, in the conclusion is it you, you find out that it's more of an emotional um, decision rather than a logical sequence. Not to refer back to Dave Ramsey, but Dave Ramsey, that's one of the reasons why he talks about uh, uh, finances being more uh, emotional sometimes than it is logical. But in working with AI and the ability to sort things, organize things, and make choices and decisions uh, based on the information that a computer can generate and organize, to call it artificial intelligence and be afraid of that is probably, it's an overstatement. It's a it's not really fair 
because our brains do things like that all the time too. Mm-hmm. If we were if we were just completely logical uh, minded, we would have no problem. But there's too much emotion involved in things. Like if we all thought like Spock did, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, we probably would have way less conflicts in this world but it's not it's a lot of it is emotional and that's uh, to attach a fear that uh, the world is going to be taken over by ai it's not the actual programming that's the problem it may be some of the formulas that are applied to the programming that might skew things but i think probably one of the biggest things that as society we have to accept is we have to take personal responsibility for what we believe and what we don't believe And that means we have to learn how to discern what is true and what is false. Uh, We are inundated with unbelievable amount of things on the internet. And uh, who knows whether it's true or not. Uh, There was a game show even that came out with stuff. Okay, this is on the internet. Is it true or is it made up? The only thing I remember was there's a guy with with a chicken with a head cut off. And the chicken stayed alive for three, three more years without a head. And I mean, is is funny, but it was on the internet, and people were believing this. That hey, wait a minute, this, look at this. This he fed the chicken through this hole or whatever, <laughs> and uh, it, it's just a total fabrication, of course. But trying to determine what is truth and what is not truth, and it's a muscle to try and figure out: is this actually true or this is false? One thing, and, and we were talking about this the other day. If AI like in Google, if we ask a question and it only gives us a parameter of 20 things and those 20 things are skewed to one direction, then the question is, is that because of the programming or is it because of the internet itself? What's that thing? Uh, Chat GBT. Okay. If someone would put Chat GBT to my articles or something, somebody did that the other day. Somebody? Yeah, yeah. It was a, a very narrow kind of a reflection of, of what I've written over the last 15 years. Well, that's cool. But what if there is a thousand robots pretending to be me and saying, this is a quote from Robert Scaper, and now it's out on the internet and they flood it everywhere. Well, that would totally skew uh, ChatGBT on me. And uh, so we have to actually go to the source and actually really discern, okay, is this realistic or is it not? So ChatGBT is interesting because if you ask it a question... When it responds, it will give you its sources. So you can see where it got this information from. And one time I asked it a question and its sources were my own website. Oh, <laughs> Which was kind of cool to see that it was, you know, using me as a reference. But at the same time, it's like, well, if it's using me, it's using other people just like me. And it's like, that might not be a good thing. Yeah. Because it's just repeating information that it's given. And so it can only ever be as accurate as the information that has trained it. Can artificial intelligence... Um, have critical thinking skills. Can it have critical thinking skills? <laughs> not really. Not really. It's never going to create something new. It's only going to be able to use the information that has been given to answer questions. Okay, maybe... But with generative AI, it like you can generate new things, um, but it is very much the way it's trained on, but it is in that sense, it is somewhat unpredictable because you do not know what it is going to generate. Uh, but it is it is a bit of a philosophical question too because I guess, I guess what to is some critical degree, I guess thinking? I have to well, I would have to explain what well, what critical thinking is. So okay, so here's here's a question. Okay, so say you have a bunch of of candle makers, right? And so this this AI is an expert on candles, and what it's doing is it's designing candles for you because that's what it's programmed to do, and it's learning about candles based on other candles that have been made. But it's never going to invent a light bulb. It can't do that. That is something that at this point in time. Only a human mind could come up with this as this whole entire new concept. And I don't think AI at this point, even whether it's machine learning or it's been programmed in some other way, I don't think it has the, the ability to come up with entirely new concepts. Okay, Certainly but not so, useful ones anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. When I say, uh, can AI create critical thinking? Um, I guess when I, was, when I was thinking about that, I'm thinking, can it determine whether something is a lie or not? Sure, if you tell it what a lie is. But now but, the problem is is that you've told it what a lie is, and if you lie to it when you told it that, now suddenly it's going to be telling you all the wrong answers. Because by very definition, any of these, especially the models we're training too for recognizing documents, is the only way it knows what document it is by having fed it many of those documents. And same thing with lie or not lie, you would have to have like, 
you know, if you had a million documents and you could label this is lie, not lie, then okay, okay. <laughs> so, so you so train say, it. So if you have a whole bunch of robots that say uh, water boils at 120 degrees Celsius, okay, yeah, and you just fill the internet with it, and you say, okay, what temperature does water water boil at? Will it give? Well, 92 percent says it boils at 100. And eight uh, percent says at one hundred and twenty, or does it give you some sort of a skew in between there? And it's it's, it's now going to be one hundred and four degrees. Well, that depends on the AI model that you're training. So yeah. I guess one example would be we have a hundred thousand documents mm-hmm. that have been sorted as bank statements and credit cards, mm-hmm. and one of the things we've been tempted to do is train AI based on all these documents that we have sorted. Because we have all this good information, all this training data, we could use it to train the AI to understand what document is what type. The problem is now that we're relying on the hope that everyone that sorted documents sorted it correctly. Mm -hmm. And what if they didn't? What if, you know, they sorted a bunch of bank statements as credit card statements? Then we'd be feeding it faulty information. Yeah. And then it'll perform like poorly, or yeah, it'll, really, it'll predict yeah. accurately based on what you've given it. Yeah, it'll be it'll it'll perform great based on the information you gave it, but that yeah. information is not correct. It'll exactly. perform accurately based on the information you give it. Yeah, but yeah. inaccurately maybe in truth. Yes, so, exactly. In other words, we still in the end we should never give up on discerning or 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 saying does this make common sense? Is this is reasonable and logic? In many ways, it's like training a child. That that it's ultimately yeah. that's what it is. What you, basically what you train it to do yeah. is is kind of I guess what you get <laughs> to yeah. some degree. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, this is uh, is is very interesting. I don't find this scary. Why would people find this scary? I guess one thing would be what people uh, think. Uh, bad people will do with it, and and but ultimately, it's really it's it's the bad people, and not so much the. Well, I think a big part of it, you know, if you look back at the whole Y2K scare, where you know all the technology was going to fail, mm. and a lot of that was people not understanding. How or the, the movie tech- Terminator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of that was people not understanding how the technology worked, and what were the issues, and how to fix them. And I think with AI, it's kind of the same thing, right? People don't really understand what AI even means. And there's a lot of bu- buzzwords, right? Like AI and machine learning. Well, these, these words have meaning. They're not something that's scary once you understand how it works. Sure. There, you know, it, I did want to make, make the point that in the trucking industry, um, there is a lot of AI out there. Uh, and a lot of companies are using AI. And it works relatively well. Well, the best example is the maps that people use to figure out where they're going. Yeah. Like Google Maps, you know, you give it a destination. Now it has to figure out what the best way to get there. Where's the construction? How to avoid it? How much traffic is there? And that's all AI powered. In trucking, I mean, logistics is, is probably, I'm not the right person to really ask this question or answer it for sure, is logistics um, uses AI probably more than anything. Maybe dispatches a little bit or something. But there's a lot of a lot of features. Like we were, we were talking before, like, and generally the experience is, uh, we, there's, in Canada, there's 10,000 trucking companies. Uh, and uh, the vast majority, vast, vast, vast majority of them are very small. And they are anywhere from a really good size is anywhere from 20 to 50. And the primary reason they, they cap out at 20 to 50 is because it all goes through one guy's brain. Generally speaking, mm-hmm. one guy's brain, the owner of the company. The name on the side of the door, uh, you, you put the guy's name on there, that's, that's, that's who it is. Because that one brain knows where every truck is, trailer is, keeps it all flowing, what the rates are, uh, and the like. As soon as you get above then, above, above that, you, you start needing more than one person. And then you got administration and stuff like this. But when you leap into hundreds and hundreds or thousands of trucks and trailers and pieces of equipment, uh, you need something to manage it that it's not a team of 20 or 30 or 50 people. That's way too big of a... You need one system that can guide and direct and, and has access to know where every single piece of equipment is, where it's coming, where it's going, and, and the like. I remember reading a biography on Walton, Sam Walton, and uh, one of the things that they did, this was many years back, this is in the 80s, is um, as, a, as an exercise, the CEO of the company, um, this was after Sam Walton uh, was, 
was on there, I believe. And what they did was they traced down every trailer that Walmart or, uh, um, owned. And they manually did this. Okay, now this, we have, we have I think, they, they had whatever, 100,000, 200,000, however many, thousands and thousands of trailers. And they, one by one, determined exactly where each trailer was. Well, it took them like almost, I don't know, weeks and months to track every single one of them down. And they say, yeah, okay, we aren't, we, you know, we're, we're not missing any or we're not this or that. Maybe they were missing something and they put it as, as a missing missing piece or something. I, they, they never stated that. But that exercise of being in control of every piece of equipment um, all under one system, they still manually had to go in and out of there. But uh, artificial intelligence manages, manages all of that in an innocent way. Like it very consistent and innocent. Well, this is where it is. If you have a GPS on every single piece, it can tell you exactly where everything is. And not a, it's not in a human brain anymore. So one human brain now can manage 50,000 pieces of equipment rather than, you know, 150 or 200 or something like that. So it's very, very uh, uh, well, AI is well utilized, I believe, in the trucking industry. There is a huge rate of uh, return on your investment in my opinion, in uh, in AI and trucking. That's probably one of the best places for AI, uh, in, in my opinion. But that's it's relatively simple. you got equipment, and it's it has to be different locations. It's not a huge amount of parameters. Trucking uh, with, with AI, uh, um, we have to embrace it. Uh, and even people, like, uh, if you're bumping down the road and you say, I don't want anything to do with AI, I'm old school, um, Look, we we've been we've been working with AI for a very long time. Yeah, <laughs> um, I, I, the industry has been working with AI for for decades, and uh, it's just sped up. and uh, And the word th- being thrown around is uh, is a little bit more. I shouldn't say fear mongering, but I, I don't know why. Why why suddenly it turned? I think probably just Elon Musk saying that it's the number one threat to humanity or something like that. I think he was just trying to promote his new business. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> he's, he's, uh, he's a very controversial character. I, I, there's some things I really appreciate about him. Others, maybe not so much. But, uh, but uh, th- those are the characters that we live in. It's amazing that true, the higher, higher level AI, it's probably, there's probably only, what, 50, 100, 200 maybe a thousand people who are who are cutting edge at the really high level or what is that's my opinion what do you think or do you think everybody can i mean if you include the scientific community like the researchers and everything i mean there's many thousands okay I guess everybody's got everybody's dabbling in it. Well, if, not, a, if a small accounting firm <laughs> is <laughs> is, uh, is operating with it i'm we're at the stage where almost anybody can do it well, I don't yeah. think we're aware of, you know, what all these companies are doing at this point. Yeah. Right? But automation is is the big focus at, at this point in time with a lot of the larger corp- corporations. And so they're probably, most of the, you know, the top companies will probably all be investigating AI at this point. I mean, I know IBM, Google, Facebook, and Microsoft are. Microsoft invested like $10 billion beginning of this year. And I would imagine they would have more than 1,000 people just themselves uh, yeah. working on, on, on that. And well, and that $10 billion was just with OpenAI, right? Right. So that's, we don't know what else they've invested in that's AI related. Because they've been integrating it into their entire, uh, all their products. Well, are, even Skype now, you know, you want to go have a conversation, you're bored, go talk to the... The AI, it's right there. You can ask yeah. it questions. And then even like Facebook, like those advertisements that uh, those annoying advertisements, uh, like they're very directed at you. And uh, they, they've been, uh, well, openly they've been at least working with AI since 2013 already. Like, and yeah. before that, like I mean, if you a lot of the machine learning, it's already been way before that. But like it's it's been behind the scenes. Uh, I know Twitter too. Like with monitoring all the tweets and whatnot, I know uh, they're definitely using AI. And and uh, so I think almost all those bigger companies do and for many years already like it's it's not even <laughs> it's been affecting you for a long time without There's, knowing when it. When, it, when you talking scalability of communication of uh, billions of people uh, you can't do that by people it all has to be done by yeah. well, AI. especially especially things where decisions have to be made right yeah so like content moderation so you know you there's tweets or facebook posts that you know against your 
go against your your terms how do you decide what you allow and what you don't yeah and so ai is the simplest way of doing it because now you can apply that to every time someone posts something have your ai look at it and decide is this something we like or is this something we don't and so you can do it very quickly and very efficiently the problem is is that now this thing does what you've trained it to do and you may have some users that don't like that yeah we talked about this in a in a different segment where uh, where we had a uh, had a situation pre pandemic. Um, actually, I was talking about it in my in my um, in my thesis even in 1996, where people would would sign digitally, and uh, the entire process, everything from shipper to receiver to sending out the checks, deposit, the whole thing, is all automated. And uh, it's great. Uh, it's it's a great concept, even in 1996. Uh, but um, when I was talking to carriers, even in 1998, at, at that point, they said, "Yeah, but the the receivers uh, won't accept anything, won't process anything unless there's actually ink on the paper, and that's what they're. That's the only thing that they'll do. So digital doesn't help anything. So the people put a stop to it in back in 1996. Well. And that continued on for quite a while. There's more and more people who are using uh, digital. But then the pandemic came along and uh, bam, everybody then is digital. Nobody was doing ink anymore, or very, very few uh, anyway. And they said, well, now it's digital. Everything is fine. Then the pandemic is passed and everything's open up again. And suddenly we have people who wanted ink before now want ink again. So just because, uh, um, how do I say, technology leaps and it looks as if everything is fine, if an, if enough people say nope, then, then the whole thing is gone again. Yeah. And so it's not a one-way door that you go through with AI or actually any kind of process or management thing. It has to be upkept and it has to stick with the people. It was an interesting, I was talking with 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 Alan today, and he was saying that uh, Bank of Canada came out with a study. They did a very large study in Canada, and they were talking about uh, cryptocurrency. He says, "Is Canada, you know, we're we're all ready to do cryptocurrency? Uh, is the are the Canadians actually, you know, are, are we ready to do it? Because they are ready to implement cryptocurrency. They do this study, and they find that no Canadians do not want cryptocurrency. There's not, and they said if the people are not going to accept it." There's no way we're going to implement it. So they shelved it uh, in the back. Well, it was not just that study that, uh, that did that. But you look at Gen Zs, like the really young people. Um, they're using more cash than the, the us older generations. They stopped using credit cards a long time ago. And they're using actual physical cash more than, than the previous generation. And in their phones, they are using less and less apps. They're now retro coming out with these flip phones or whatever. So if society doesn't accept what AI is pushing, it will just fall flat. Uh, so the, the people who are really in the driver's seat are the collective people of the country or the, uh, of the world. Even if everybody else in the world does something, that doesn't necessarily mean that Canada has to. It, uh, it's still a collective body. And in my opinion, when it comes to too much influence of AI or anything like that, probably the country that has the most amount of heels in the dirt is not Canada. It's probably the United States. Uh, we are way more advanced technology in some regards than some places in the States, though there's some real hot spots of high technology uh, in the States. But generally, as a whole entire country, I mean... Uh, um, we use debit cards here for 10 years and you could go down the States and what is that? It's either a MasterCard or credit card. What is the debit card? They didn't even know what a debit card was down in the States. I, I know I went to uh, Mall of America once and you'd think, you know, this is the place yeah. that should be up to date with technology and I tried using my debit card. Yeah, no, you couldn't do it. <laughs> yeah, so if, if the people don't accept it, well, it's just a little... It's you know, fear mongering. I don't like to use the word fear mongering, but I always feel like uh, you remember the uh, what do you call those things? Uh, 
whack-a-moles, you know? Yeah, yeah. The, like the yeah. news news are popping up. Hey, here's a mirror. And we're supposed to whack it all the time. So all we're standing around doing is just whacking these moles. Or it's a total waste of time. And, uh, you know, I just, just leave it. I don't know. I'm, I'm getting a little bit ticked off at news organizations and trying to scare us into some corner so that we could we would buy something, whatever they're selling. I don't know. Something like that. Yeah, and if you're really afraid of AI, I mean, all you have to do is try to implement uh, an advanced AI system, and you'll discover there's just <laughs> zero it's just, fear in there. It is just yeah. lots and lots of work and, and lots of trial and error by oh, the end of the day. And tons is, of yeah. math, which we all don't understand. Well, so. we, we went paperless in 2019. Yeah. Uh, we went from 400 filing, 400 plus filing folders down to 40. We still haven't got all, rid of all of them, well, the vast majority of them we have. But some people just don't don't leave. They just still drop drop off paper. So it it's never going to be 100 percent for and and uh, learning how to work with paperless is uh, is a you don't just snap your fingers and you're suddenly paperless. You don't snap your fingers and all of the, the clientele know exactly what to do. You have to show people the advantage of it. Yeah. Right? And so once, you know, AI provides people with real advantages, no matter what the industry, then people will start to switch yeah. and start to use it more. Or they and start, should. And start to be okay with it. You'll, I mean, you'll always have those people that will refuse. Yeah. But uh, I think the majority will, will jump along. And even the ones that refuse now, I mean, like, I, I think most people don't know where it's used. That's the other thing. Like, almost all big businesses use it in the background for things yeah. they do. Like, I, I think all of us at some point or another throughout the day come in touch with it, whether we know it or not. There's, there's a lot of things. Yeah, exactly. In that point, I, I was just thinking about Walmart. I, I did a lot of research, I don't know, like 15, 20 years on, on Walmart. And uh, a lot of people didn't know that even, even 20 years ago, um, the shelves that contain all the, like the Pampers and the Huggies and all of the diapers or whatever, that's not managed by Walmart. It's managed individually. You you section off a certain section uh, that is for Pampers, say, mm-hmm. and Pampers has a report that says this location sold three bundles uh, yesterday, and then they handle the inventory, so they send the stuff. Walmart doesn't get. They just oh, they, somebody ordered that we. We, we put that they there's so much offloading of responsibility and some of that is just done straight by ai like and that was 20 years ago so if you order from amazon amazon's warehouses use ai to decide where they should store certain products that way when yeah. it's ordered and shipped they can ship it as fast as possible because they 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 order their stuff based on what's uh what's ordered the most mm-hmm. that way they can get to shipping as as quickly as they can yeah, have you, have you ever seen some of those YouTube things where it talks about and shows Amazon things? It looks like it, it looks like on this shelf, it, like it's it's a full shelf of stuff, but it's not like uh, you know, like it's not all razors. No, it's not of course all not. razors. Yeah. It's it's the efficiency of uh, of that product to being sent out. Or to to the shelf itself, there's all sorts of formulas that goes on. So it's very random. To the natural human mind, we look at it and say, this is completely disorganized. Yeah. But to the, it, it makes absolute sense. Visually, it makes no sense. Yeah, visually mm-hmm. it does. Yeah, but right. you order from Amazon and your stuff ships in three hours, so it works. Yeah, it yeah. obviously <laughs> works, yeah. but uh, that So AI is going to be a part of our life, whether it pushes the button for a nuclear bomb. I think still, AI is not... In my in my opinion, AI is not the threat to, to the world that uh, that Elon says. I think he was just wanting a little bit of attention. Well, I, <laughs> I don't know. I I don't <laughs> Who think, am I to say that? I don't think we'll ever need to worry about AI pushing the nuclear button. No, I assume I assume not. It's not going to be like you know, whatever Skynet or what was the war game? Not war game. Um, what was that? There, there was a there was a movie back in the eighties. That uh, a guy hacked into a computer and he started uh, thermonuclear war or whatever, and it was simulation, and then it became real or whatever, and whatever. It was a it was a cool movie. It scared the living daylights out of my boss at the time, who was uh, he said, "Oh, this is real. We're all gonna blow up." Nuclear is way more risky. That's the real threat in the world because it can actually do destruction. Uh, AI, it can do destruction, but. It's not in the in the hands of insane people. If you get one, all it takes is one insane person 
who has access to a nuclear, and boy, does that change things. And so I still think that's personally, I think. And and the other thing is, I think we have to be very careful to call AI like uh, a person. It's mm-hmm. it's like it can. The, the the funny thing is, it can take the role of a person, and it certainly does something to replace jobs and automation, and all that. But by mm-hmm. the end of the day, it's not really a person. It's just it's just a tool. It's 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 more like a nuclear weapon in a sense. It's it's a tool like like that you can use. But at the same time, it can also press the button. So well, it's, it's it's a little bit of both. It's I guess. also not designed by just one person, right? It's usually uh, it's a collective. So you have a bunch of people working together to build this technology. And so it should never have the, you know, the behavior of one individual. It's always going to be the collective group. Yes, I, uh, yeah, I agree. Yeah, it takes more than one person to write the programs to take over the world. And ultimately, <laughs> it's whether we allow it to take it over or not is the other yeah, thing. Right? Exactly. And, you know, we look at some of the AI that we're working on. And it, the AI isn't built by us, but the training data is, right? Mm-hmm. So we have, we're using technology that's that's open source technology that's been worked on by many, many different people in different organizations. Yeah. And then we train it to do what we want or to solve the problems that we need solving. Yeah. This is a, maybe as the, as the last point here I'd, l- I'd like to make. Explain what open source is versus non-open source. That's... For somebody who doesn't know technology, that that, uh, that that might baffle some. Okay, so open source means that the the program that you're using is open in the sense that you can redistribute it and you can access the, the code that wrote it. So you can do whatever you want with it, okay? Now, op- open source doesn't mean that you can't sell it. You can still sell it, but you have to give the rights to use it in any way to the person that you give the the application to so they can edit they can edit the code they can distribute the code they can create their own program off of the code um, and because of this now what happens is so you have an open source project and now it's beneficial for other companies and organizations to improve it because they get to use it for free they can look at the code they can improve it themselves and so it's beneficial to everybody because it's all all available Okay, uh, as opposed to back in the 80s and 90s, and you wanted some software into your computer, you went to, a, um, whatever, Radio Shack. It's not even around anymore, is it? Well, it's worse now. <laughs> but you go there, and you, and you buy an off-the-shelf uh, program, and you insert it, and you, you, got, you, you bought a license for one, uh, one version or one uh, yeah. Program and you put it onto your computer and you use it. Right. Okay. So say you go and you buy Microsoft Office. Yeah. So you have Word and Excel, and say there's something you don't like about it. So you can write Microsoft a letter and hope that they change it. Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> um, but if it's if it's open source technology, now you have the ability to actually contribute to that technology. So you can go yourself. into the program itself. Yes. And yeah. change it, customize it to what you want it. Yeah. And you could turn around, either sell it, give it away. And you, usually, usually what happens is then you just, you know, you, so you have this, you have the project and then you go, you edit it and then you submit the code back to the initial project. They implement it. So everyone else that uses it can now use that feature too. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's community free. development. Yeah, it's mm. it's community, and and which is very much different than how software was originally developed, and it it contracts it, it contrasts real software development where where uh, where somebody's designing some great uh, software and gonna uh, uh, sell it in the in the open market as opposed to designing something great and everybody gets to use it and it's free. It's very controversial. There are some there's some legislation down the states. It it probably will never gain traction, but they're trying to close open source. And uh and that I don't think is gonna work. Do you know the stats on how much open source is taking over? I, I know originally this was a number of years back in the in the office building uh, in the office administration, just like from an accounting perspective, ninety percent of uh, of offices had Microsoft in it, and ten percent some other uh, some other program. Now it's no longer that. Um, um, in offices, whatever I think we looked at it, it was 69 percent, or even less than that, depending on yeah. how you M- define it. So your- yeah, so that's with Microsoft Windows. 
And so the <coughs> operating system usage used to be, yeah, 90% Windows. And that's no longer the case. It's around 70% now. Hmm. Um, Linux has grown. Um, Google Chrome OS has also gone up now. Yeah. And Apple's definitely bigger than it was. Yeah, yeah. And and just the entire open source community or open source software uh, used in enterprises, it's like uh, 66% in 2021 based on this one website anyway. Yeah. So uh, as open source if we if we make the assumption that open source is, is slowly taking over more and more market share, uh, that means software development is going to be, um, it, it's actually changing. It's, uh, as a developer or whatever, it's very much more individualized as opposed to mass market. I don't know, maybe. So that's interesting because you look at a lot of the, the businesses now, and a lot of them use open source technology. Like even even Facebook with uh, React, that is open source. Yeah. Um, but one industry that does not use open source is the banking industry. And so I know someone that works for a bank doing uh, development, and they are not allowed to use anything open source. Oh, really? Which is very interesting. And that's probably why a lot of Canada's banking infrastructure is so very old and oh. outdated, because they have to manually do everything themselves. Wow. Now, the advantage, well, that is a disadvantage, but the only way, that, the only reason it works is we only have like a half a dozen banks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if they implement something in Newfoundland, it's automatically implemented in Vancouver as well. So there is, it's scalable from that regards, as opposed to, you know, 10,000 plus banks in the United States. So part of the, the argument that they have is that open source, they say that open source is insecure because anyone can can add code to it now the argument in favor of open source is that it's very secure because anyone can add code to it yeah <laughs> because now you have all these yeah. you know people looking through it and they can find bugs that you may not find with a smaller team yeah yeah and you can always just take it and instead of uh putting it back in the community you just take it and use it for yourself yes. and never actually yeah. put it back and it's like jumpstart your uh something like that and, and i'm just thinking on another advantage of open sources and i it's also in favor of it and that is like, I mean, the software we're using to develop these these models and everything, that's from Google. It's open source. We don't pay them to do it, and we don't pay Microsoft or anything. It's just, it's actually a way of, of um, uh, what's the word again? Like, I guess uh, for corporations, like, it's... It's a, way, it's a way to give back to everybody else. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And it's beneficial to everyone that uses it. Yeah. I guess... When it comes to AI, another another conclusion. I'm making my third conclusion now. <laughs> but when it comes to conclusion, a, a driver bumping down the road and he need his, needs his taxes being done. At some point in the future, whether it's two years, five years, ten years, twenty years, however, however, at at, at some point, to answer the basic questions like what is this was what was this expense for? What was this for? At some point. Uh, a computer is going to be asking the question. At some point, is this your income? If you check everything all out, you press the button, and wham, your corporate return is completed. Send this, your GST is done. Press this, and that'll be done. And most of the interaction with their own business, they're not going to be interacting with a person. They're going to be interacting with uh, a machine, really. And uh, there's it, that's a leap, that's a leap that everybody has to uh, that has to deal with. I do not like, and uh, how do I say this? I can't stand these answering machines. Uh, when you phone, uh, press one for this, press two yeah. for that. If uh, making your miles count, if you ever get that message uh, that says uh, press this for this, one for that, you know that I've died. Because I'm not putting that through <laughs> in the receptionist. I want people to talk to somebody yeah. if they want. That, that, uh, uh, that's, that's critical. But there are some things that, that, uh, that are going to be, uh, uh, how do I say it? It has to be managed by, by uh, technology if you want to scale things uh, on a very big scale. You just, you, just, uh, you just can't do something. That doesn't mean the receptionist is, will be. But uh, it will like uh, if we have a, a client's phone number, for instance, they phone in 
and they can phone in our 800 number, and we can ha- actually route that directly to the workstation who exactly does all of the paperwork that's involved with that. And uh, so as opposed to go through a receptionist or something like that, that I understand. But, but people to people, it's, uh, and it's still going to, at some point in time, there's going to be less and less contact. The questions, the real interactions are going to be the real important stuff. All of the rest of the stuff is is minor, but the real important stuff maybe that is a a, a person to person factor. There are some people who are just going to say, "Hey, I have no problem. I know exactly everything where every penny is in my corporation, every every expense and stuff. I'm okay with everything, and I and I'm okay with saying yes, 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 and then off my corporate. Well, and I don't even talk to anybody. If you really understand, you know the business. Uh practices you should be able to just answer the questions yeah it's when you don't know and you don't understand how things work where talking to a person is going to be more beneficial. yeah it, it alleviates that's an emotional thing yeah and absolutely. that i understand the, and and uh, it's it's a matter of educating all the independent operators to fr- fully and completely understand their business so that so that they can answer the the, the simple questions uh through ai as opposed to uh, uh through a through a person and uh and uh, have a higher level of service but anyway mm-hmm. It's a fabulous topic. Do you, is there anything that we missed? Well, probably everything when it comes to AI. Yeah, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's a very a broad topic. Well, there's so many, there's so many different things we could touch on. Yeah, um, it's something that you know you can't sum up in half an hour. No, um, and AI, I've always viewed as AI, it's it's incremental steps, and it's not like boom, everything is all. You don't flick a switch and suddenly bam, everything. Because to grow machine learning, it's 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 little baby steps, baby steps, yeah. little baby well, steps, little. Ba- and the the good example of that is in vehicles now, right? So your vehicle has, is vehicles now are much more intelligent than they used to be. Hmm. So adaptive cruise control, where you have your cruise set, you approach someone too fast, it slows you down. Yeah. And so the AI and the technology that's used there isn't designed to replace the human. It's designed to assist the person. Yeah. Uh, so it's being built in, in slow steps. I mean, the first step was a cruise that just kept you at the right speed. Yeah. Now it slows you down if you're about to hit something. So it's slowly being built up. And the advantage of that is that we know that it's going to work because it's been tested so often, mm-hmm. because it's been implemented very, very slowly. There are side effects to the technology that's put into highway tractors. Yeah. Uh, that the side effects being that it allows for distracted driving way more so than so, without it. So the question is, is it allowing for distractive driving or is are these people going to be distracted anyway and now it's helping? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? That's, I think, almost entirely dependent on the driver himself. So if we take it back to the cruise control, you know, are people texting and driving more now that they don't have to worry about rear-ending someone? Or are they texting and driving at the same amount? Now we just know they won't rear-end someone if they have the cruise. <laughs> that's, so, a, that's a good that's point. A good fo- yeah, a good fo- it could go either way. Question. Yeah, yeah. That, that's a fascinating topic. I'm not a big believer that uh, autonomous trucks are going to be able to be fully operated. I think Russia will be the last country to uh, to have autonomous drivers and Canada will be the second last <laughs> because there's just far too many variables uh, and it's not safe. There's certain things they will be able to do, but there's also certain situations that as far as I can see, they'll never work. Uh, so adaptive cruise control and like lane, lane departure, like so if your vehicle keeps you in your lane, yeah, um, that only works if you have lines on the road. So good luck using yeah. that on gravel or on ice roads. It's yeah. not going to work because how do you know what your lane is? Or snow drifts. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, they could do it by GPS, I guess. Now that's only accurate within six feet. Six feet? I thought it was six inches. I think it's about six feet. Ooh, and so I guess if, it depends on the provider too. But yeah, I think yeah. for vehicles, it's not accurate enough yet. <laughs> so is my understanding. say, say it's six and your provider. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me, can you hear me now? <laughs> Wham! <laughs> anyway. <laughs> But I yeah. think drivers are very safe in the sense that I think, I mean, I haven't looked at all of them, but I mean, replacing a driver completely, like, I just, I don't see that happening, like, anytime Not soon. Not in like, my I think generation. Maybe in some other generation. <laughs> my generation, I, yeah, 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 yeah. So, say you have someone whose job it is to move trailers around the yard. That you could replace with machine. Yeah. Because it's going slow. It can detect not to hit anyone. If you have a GPS in each one of your trailers, you send it to the trailer, it pulls it into the shop or whatever. Yeah. That could all be done because that's very simple. Where it's not going to work is, you know, anything that's more complicated. 
you know, too many variables in well, there. Like it's windy weather. and snowy yeah. suddenly. It's like, what are you going to do? I mean, I know on I-29, it gets so windy and, and there's snow on the road. Like, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, I doesn't have any feelings, so it would have to be programmed in yeah. other ways. Well, and then, you know, you take driving from here to Toronto, for example, down Highway 1, all the hills, and, you know, that's another huge dilemma it's going to have to solve. How does it handle that? There's also inherent exposure to other people as damages. If you're driving down a public highway, you're um, going past people, basically 100 miles an hour, you could easily smack together because you're only, you know, four, six, eight feet apart or something like that. If you have a yard that's all fenced in that only has trailers and one uh, autonomous uh, trailer mover, whatever, you're not exposed to the public. You can only damage what's in that yard. You're, you're only d- damaging your own property at that yeah. point. And the other difference is you're going much slower, yeah. right? Yeah. You're going 10 miles per hour. You know, it's not driving down the highway at highway speeds. Yeah. It's, well, I guess I was just thinking it, the, uh, it, it may only be going two miles an hour, but if a trailer hits another trailer and uh, and the, the the program doesn't des- design for resistance, it could just keep <laughs> right on going that trailer <laughs> and have a yeah. domino effect and have six trailers moved over yeah. and it just keeps pushing, pushing. You know, it, I mean, yeah, you'd have to program to... Yeah. You'd have to have sensors. There yeah. would have to be many sensors. Yeah. And I, I see, I mean, I don't know how expensive sensors are, but I see that, uh, like, I, that would be huge work to put, I mean, all those sensors everywhere. Yeah. And, uh, but, uh, but another and thing... sensors you, in Canada don't work. Yeah. We have far too much salt in our drive... <laughs> And it could be, it's, it's like 40 above in the summer and 40 below in the winter. Oh my goodness, we're, we're just not designed for that. Anyway, so boy, we could we keep on going. Anyway, so artificial intelligence, it's, uh, it's a great topic, lots of stuff. Uh, this is a little bit of a sidebar, a little bit of a rabbit trail for, for the independent operator uh, um, um, efficiency in driving and taxes and and stuff like this, but it's uh, it's it's a necessary picture of where we're going to be in two, five, ten, twenty years from now, and uh, what's all coming. It's very exciting stuff. Uh, hopefully, a certain percentage of those who are fearful of AI are maybe a little bit uh, less less fearful now, because uh, I think for the most part, there's very few um, you know programmers who are nasty and they they don't want the end of the world kind of a thing. But anyway, other than that, have a great trip. Thanks for stopping by Making Your Miles Count. For further Making Your Miles Count productions, call us at 877-987-9787 or download us at makingyourmilescount.com.